0: We at Around Grandfather Fire would like to express our solidarity for Black Lives Matter. We stand with you and every marginalized group that's seeking justice.
1: Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts, Saren Odinson, Jim Two Snakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker, talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late night conversations by real life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire?
2: to the earth and hail to the land hail hail all hail to you one who we stand hail hail all, hail to the land on which we grow Hail, hail, Vader, all. Hail to the holy ones we know. Hail, hail, Vader, all. Hail Vader, hail, Vader, hail, to the sea and sky. Hail, Vader, hail, Vader, earth, ice and snow. Hail to the holy ones we walk well, to the holy ones we trod, hail to the holy places we go. Hail, hail, hail the Hail, hail Vader. hail Vader, all. Hail to you, the holy ones, of when we share this world. Hail to the holy ones of earth, of fire and sea and song. Hail to the holy ones that we all come to know. Hail, hail, they to Hail, they to Hail, hail to the holy ones. Hail, they to Hail to the holy ones we sing and thank you for the song. Hail to the holy ones of air and breath we hail their long. Hail, 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 hail they to all Hail, hail, Vitterol!
0: Hail, Vitterol! Let's do hell Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 63. I am the Goofy Dad, Jim Two Snakes, joined by the Wise One, Sarenth Odinson, and the One Who Cuts Through <laughs> the Bullshit, Caitlin Stormbreaker. How are you both doing tonight?
3: I don't know if I agree with the cuts or the bullshit. I'm not sure
4: I agree with the wise one either, but you know.
0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. Um, We've got a really great guest tonight that I'm eager to get talking to, but real quick, I want to, now that I have you guys on air, thank you both. My ass is still kind of hurting from the chewing out I got last episode, but I did manage to restructure my Patreon. <laughs> and so. <Yay. laughs>
4: the, the chewing was done in love.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. yeah, And apparently it worked. <laughs> well, you know. Occasionally.
0: For once, for once. Like, okay, this is this is personal growth, you guys. I had to stop and think to myself. I'm always, like, my Patreon is always about helping people to change and do things differently. So, goddamn it! I have to follow my own advice.
3: Oh, <gasps> <laughs> hey, you Don't sound you like that? me. Oh, yeah, you sound like me. Like a month or two ago, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, "Hey, I've been giving these people great advice. Maybe I should follow it." And I'm like, "Oh, damn it!
0: Awful, awful." Yeah, keep being
3: nuts. accountable. <laughs> nah. Nah. Can't I just always be the same old grumpy ass? You can, but nah. you're still gonna be accountable. <laughs>
0: <sighs> well, oh, goodness. So well you know, So, how are you
4: doing? Well, I'm glad to see. Before I get into that, I'm glad to see that you know you took the advice to heart and the the honor. I hope that you understood the with which it was given, because it's not every time we come for you.
0: Yeah, it's not very often. I went, oh, I'm not used to being on this end of the bus. Right? <laughs> well, this
4: is what it's like to be underneath the treads, huh? Right? This feels exactly.
0: Weird. Exactly.
3: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you did teach me how to be a very good bus driver.
4: Right? So This is absolutely true. <laughs>
3: um. Well, I, I guess I'll answer your question first. I'm doing... Uh, Surprisingly well. I've written in the last oh two two and a half weeks or so about 20,000 words in this book that I'm writing that there's a small blip of it on my blog and then I realized how deeply ingrained and seated the story was in me that I was like well I'm gonna keep the rest of it to myself and just like actually turn it into a book or something i don't really want to like ruin it for anybody and i have a couple beta readers that are kind of chomping at the bit to to get to reading because apparently i whetted their appetites with what i put up on my blog so that, that's kind of been like the all-consuming part of my life these last two weeks so that's pretty much where my brain is I also apologize if I start talking like some Southern girl, because I've been playing a lot of Red Dead, too. So. <laughs> oh, God, it's bad. Nice. What about you, Jim? How are you doing? No, oh, I'm
0: chugging away as usual, my usual routine, more projects than I know what to do with. But, you know, I'm pretty used to that. I had... Yesterday was the anniversary of the passing of one of my grandfathers, and so I had to kind of like sit quiet yesterday. I didn't do a lot yesterday except for smoke a pipe and and take some time, which was nice. Um, so pretty much just work in the process, you know how
3: it goes. That's good. That's good. I it's um it's I always find it interesting how other people work. Um, with certain uh, anniversaries I guess with their their ancestors and with you talking about your grandpa it made me think of mine and I was like well gosh I've never done anything quite like that before and I very clearly heard his voice in the back of my mind go "Uh, if you're not learning or working you might as well be dead. So I don't think he would much appreciate that sort of practice on his birthday or anniversary. He would probably say, get up off your ass and go do something. Um, and it, that makes him sound very harsh. He, he was a wonderful man. Um, but I, I love the practice that you have shared with me so far. Well, I'm not sure that all my ancestors would feel the same way. And I'm not even
0: sure. I don't think I've done. It's not like this is something I did. I've done every single year. If that makes sense. Mm. It's just yesterday in particular. It fell on Friday, which is my usual day off, and mm. I had the time. And he's the he's the ancestor that I got my love of pipe tobacco from, and so it just makes seemed sense. appropriate to take ten mm. minutes out in the out in the cold. And smoke right, a it was a little chilly out there. Yeah, it's
4: been pretty arctic bitter lately.
3: <laughs> How, How about you, you Seraph?
4: Oh, uh, what have I been up to? Um, yeah. You know, getting yelled at you in kind. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, if, if you folks haven't signed up for any of his spiritual dad services, uh, do so. Because mm-hmm. at the same time as we keep each other accountable, he keeps us accountable. And uh, I'm happy to be a supporter of his Patreon. Because it gives me a space where I can be like, all right, so here's the anxieties and the stuff I'm dealing with. And, you know, he can give me his fatherly advice. It's actually quite nice. and so one of the things that I've been working through has been, uh, feeling like I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I lay out what I do, <laughs> it, it sounds absolutely silly that I feel that way, but you know, I'm, I'm, I guess it's, uh, the way I was raised and the way that I just work. I feel like downtime is, is hard for me to handle more so than being busy. Um, I like what, what I'm doing right now is I've got my Patreon, which I'm doing the writing for. I just put out a fresh video on my Patreon. And I also released, I think, five new posts on my blog um, that weren't prompted by list, like readers at all. So, and I'm making slow but steady progress on the uh, book that I'm, the, the first of many books that I'm putting together. Um, this one being something I'm, uh, I'm allying with uh, Valientel, who is a wonderful French polytheist who a couple of years ago was like, Hey, we should really like seriously think about this as a book. And I went, you know, that's not a bad idea. And the book is the fallow times. And it's all about how we as polytheists and animists handle times where spirit contact isn't as in our face and how we live our lives and how we still engage in our religions, despite having all this downtime. So yeah, I was having feelings about not doing enough, and Jim just basically kind of shook me. And was like, "The f- man,"
0: <laughs> I believe I threatened
3: to kick you.
4: You did, <laughs> you did, and it was appropriate.
3: Yeah, I, I've been threatened with that foot before. It's, it's a scary foot, man.
0: <laughs> the old red foreman approach. It, honestly, it works. It works for me. It,
3: does. it really does. Well.
0: We normally talk about our Patreons and our blogs and that sort of thing, but I'm going to take, if it's okay with you guys, I'm going to take a little bit of a shortcut here. Mm-hmm. And anybody yep. that's listening, if you're interested in Caitlin's blog, Saren's awesome Patreon, my Patreon, other places that we're appearing and that you can find us, like our Instagrams or TikToks or anything else, all that stuff is in the show notes for this show. So go ahead and check that out there. Yep.
3: Hey, we're streaming, streamlining these things. <laughs> How about that? Look at us. Right. We're so professional. <laughs> well I'd think we scripted it.
4: <laughs> no, just like the songs and prayers, most of this isn't
0: scripted, folks. Nope. <laughs> nope. No. Uh, well, with that, I think let's go ahead and transition over and introduce our guest. And since you've been working with her the longest serinth, why don't you do the honors on that?
4: Well, welcome to Around Grandfather Fire. I'm really happy to have you on, Jean.
5: Thank you. <laughs> I'm excited to be here.
0: Introductions series. introductions.
4: I'm
5: working
0: on it. I'm working <laughs> on it.
4: All right. So where have you come out of? How did you come to Crossing Hedgerow Sanctuary and Farm? Tell us. Tell us.
5: Uh, well, we started in Florida. Um, I'm not sure if that's what you're getting at, but. <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty much. I'm well. I'm going to explain a little bit about... You're skipping into the questions here. Well, that's true.
4: I am skipping ahead. All right. So... formal introductions here. Yes. All right. All right. So Gene is one of the co-founders of Crossing Hedgerow Sanctuary, which is an earth-centered spiritual home for all, pursuing the regeneration of land and spirit. Uh, I came into knowing Gene about, what, three years ago now at... um, Oh, what's it called? Ann Arbor Pagan Pride. And actually, it might have been Michigan Pagan Fest, if memory serves.
3: I think it was Michigan Pagan Fest,
4: but we pretty much hit- it was
3: before that.
4: Was it? Oh my gosh! Yes, it was.
5: <laughs> we met at the at the um, permaculture. That's right. Workshop, and then you came to a couple of our bonfires.
4: That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh! That was well over six years ago.
5: Yeah, it's been a while. Wow.
4: <sighs> so, anyway, <laughs> a
5: couple
2: years
4: ago. <laughs> So, a couple of years ago, Jean um, and I, we started talking about the things that we wanted to see for the future of the pagan communities and the things that we were interested in. Now, I'm a heathen and Jean is a Celtic polytheist, so we've got a lot of cross currents of interest and ideas. And we started talking about the future we saw for the various pagan communities. And we started talking, well, maybe we should actually make this a thing. And she was already in, in conversation with, uh, I believe that it was, uh, you had already talked with. Uh, Doug and Pat on this one Mm
5: -hmm.
4: and it started putting together the bones for what would later become crossing hedgerows. And so, you know, between our various heads being put together, we eventually launched. Has it been two years now? I want to say. Yes. And so uh, Gene is a wonderful person and crossing hedgerow sanctuary and farm folks, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's in the, the Belleville area. I highly recommend anybody come out and see it. It has a wonderful array of, of foods that we're growing year-round. Uh, the chickens are interspersed with all of it. The entire farm is based on permaculture principles and the spiritual uh, paths that we all follow. And so seriously, uh, there we go. That's the intro. <laughs> so seriously, welcome Gene to Grandfather Fire. Thank you. I thought I made proper introductions instead of trying to
3: skip ahead.
5: <laughs> it's wonderful. I'm so to, um, yeah, I'm so
3: glad to have you here, Jean. You're one of my favorite people in the whole world, and what y- we do at Crossing Hydro Sanctuary is is very important, I think, on many different levels on a on an Earth level, on a soul level, and on a community level. Um, but I'm interested in hearing about you and a little bit about your path and how you found your way to be where you're at. When, when and how did all of this start?
5: For me, I kind of came into it, I think, a little differently than a lot of people. Um, I started on more the plant and uh, land side of things. So just really working with the land, um, through the permaculture design, um, principles. Um, I just, I, I felt like such a connection with the land and I, I didn't really have much knowledge of pagan, uh, ideas. Um, I didn't. I didn't know what it was at all, really, um, and I was going to the UU church at that time um, when I kind of first it started coming onto my radar, and but it seemed like that was just so in sync with how I felt about things, and as I explored it further, it really. Um, I came to realize that that was the path that made the most sense for me. So, um, I I just heard little bits and pieces um, from different places. Uh, Starhawk was someone that I really uh, that really resonated with me um, because she has a background also in permaculture and. Also um, social justice, which means a lot to me as well and then um, and then just her her spiritual outlook resonated with me. Um, and and then I started kind of um, well someone else that I had heard was um, John Michael Greer who, I think he wrote for resilience.org or something.
2: Mm-hmm. So
5: he came across my radar that way. Um, I, I, I kind of don't follow him so much now, but um, John Beckett was another one. Um, He's a good one. Yeah. And in fact, I'm taking a class with him right now, I just started. So oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. And then I ran, ran across Druid Cast and Dave the Bard and, uh, the Druid end of things, um, definitely caught my attention. And I began doing some rituals that were, were in the Druid vein and eventually ended up uh, signing up for the Obad course. And so I'm in the Bardic grade right now and just thoroughly loving it. Um, it's, it's just, I don't know, it kind of is blowing my mind because it, it, there's so many things that I didn't know about. <laughs> and, um, it's exciting to be learning. And, and then I listen to you all and, and you talk about things I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds very interesting. <laughs> And maybe we'll take
4: guess. a similar approach. <laughs>
3: right? <laughs> exactly.
5: So one of I the mean, you sorry. do see us every Thursday, you could just ask. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but part of the reason I wanted to start pressing Hedro Sanctuary was so I could learn more too. Mm-hmm. Because I love the idea of being able to bring together um, the community and and learn from each other. Uh, there's so many different people doing amazing things. So that's that's one part of it.
3: And there there's a there's a very huge difference between reading it in a book and actually applying it in real life.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and. Bringing the community in with it, everybody has different strengths and different talents and um, sees things differently than any individual might. And so when I heard about what you guys were doing, not only from you, but also from Sarinth, I was really excited about it because I had done all that work at the greenhouse. And um, because of where I live, I am unable to do what you're doing But to have a place where I could go, where I feel safe and welcomed and able to uh, treat the land the way that I believe it should be treated with like minded people Um, and the way we work together is just it's been such a wonderful uh, enlivening moment in my life. And so I it's just my way of saying thank you for kind of absorbing me into your your community.
5: It's uh yeah it's been so wonderful to have you and Tarant coming out each week and it feels like um such a community like that's I don't know
0: it's so it beautiful. sounds to me like your your spiritual path is growing along with the development of the sanctuary itself.
5: Yes, definitely.
0: That's really that's really cool. Tell me a little bit about how you got started and like what the sanctuary, what the land and everything was like when you began versus what it's like now versus what your, your dreams and goals for it are.
5: When we first moved here um, in 2013, it was uh, it had been a cultivated tilled field, um, a large portion of it. Um, So we have, 13 acres altogether that is the the sanctuary land and I think about seven acres of it is forested woods and um, then there's two different fields that had been rotated crops between soy and corn before we came and so for the first year we really just kind of observed the land to see what was happening on it and um, where the water was going and, you know, just all the different aspects of it. And then the second year we started really doing a lot of planting around close to the house, um, different things. And we put in uh, a system, um, of water catchment for water that would come off the roof of the house to be caught in swales and held, um, as they would soak further downhill towards the plantings that we were putting in. Um, so we, we planted a windbreak, um, to help keep, um, the house a little bit more, um, warm from the, the winds that come from the, the west. Um, and then, We, we really just mostly left the fields so that they could be regenerating and growing. Um, the first, the first couple of years, they, they really were mostly just giant ragweed, which is what, um, is resistant to the, the roundup that is used on the fields. Um, but they continued to, um, progress to, to more variety and wildflowers and, um, different things and lots of insects were coming back and birds and wildlife. Um, but the, the, the big problem with it is that, um, we have a Creek that runs through the property and it floods, um, each spring and it floods a great portion of the field. So the field was really not usable for us um, to do the kind of planting that we wanted to. Um, or even just like to build a structure um, or or really use it for much until it dried up like in July or so. So we wanted to put in a pond and um, put in a water system that would really help us um, make the, the land a little bit more usable for, um, for a polyculture type planting, which um, is where we can have a, a variety of plants that can be helpful to the ecosystem and um, they can be uh, edible kinds of plantings and perennials that will just keep on coming back and help the pollinators and all, all of that. Uh, I was so, going to
0: mention pollinators. You probably have a ton of bee-friendly plants.
5: Yeah, yeah. And uh, my daughter is a beekeeper, so we definitely like to have those kind of plants around for that, too. Um, so yeah, it's finally to the point now, um, where we're getting the pond put in and the water system that will help if there's, uh, like a huge flood. Um, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into about all of that, but, but we're, we're really excited to be getting to that stage at this point where we've, we found someone that can work with us and understand what, what we're trying to do with the property.
0: It's really awesome. And all that stuff is really difficult too. I mean, because speaking of my work or exposure to it from the conservation district board standpoint, just water management is huge. People do not realize how much water management goes into things like permaculture and even farming in general, because it affects so many of those little rivulets that go into the streams and everything else. It's a huge deal, much, much larger than I ever thought it was.
5: Yeah. And the, the big thing is that most farmers want to just drain away the water and, you know, water is a precious resource. So, we, we don't want to get rid of it. We want to be able to manage it and have it n- not inundating us when we don't, when we have too much, but we want to keep it around also for when we need it. So that's really been the strategy with it.
4: Yeah. It's, it's been interesting the last couple of years, how, even the amount of work that's gotten done because we're by no means finished with the pond project, the amount of water mitigation versus what the land used to look like has been pretty significant um, just in the, the beginning stages of how the land was being taken care of. Um, I can tell you, cause I've lived in this area for most of my life. I know what that property looked like before you folks got on it and it looked the same as a lot of the other farms around here. Pretty barren, pretty abused. And the work you folks have done in that land has been nothing short of miraculous because it went from being what essentially amounted to monocropping, <coughs> excuse me, which is what a lot of the farms around here do is they tend to monocrop soy, corn, and ore and they'll switch, or they tend to do other kinds of cash crops but they'll do them all as a monoculture. They don't plant for survivability of the insects. They plant for survivability against things like you said, like Roundup. And just watching the land under your care has been amazing because it went from this relatively dead looking thing to every spring. Yeah. You had a flood, but then afterwards you'd have all this life in abundance.
5: Yeah. So yeah, it really kind of hurt to actually viscerally hurt to scrape up all the topsoil that we were building all that time but we'll, we will be putting it back down um and in the long run it should be for the the better um so so what we're doing is in the the part of the field that is not the pond we will be having a kind of a grid system that will have lined with clay um, and it will, it will be like about four feet deep Depend It is kind of gradient um, according to the, the, the way that the land is um, higher in some spots and lower in other spots, but the clay lining will be about two feet. high in the bottom of it. And then on top of that, we'll be putting gravel and wood chips and then the topsoil back down. But what will happen is the the water will, when it rains, um, will go into that grid system. And if it is less than two feet, it will hold the water there for the plantings. But if it goes higher than two feet, it will overflow the clay and then flow towards the pond and, and get caught in the pond. And so, and then we have some overflows for the pond in case it gets too much water for that. It will go out through a ditch out towards um, Lake Erie actually. (laughs) So.
4: So the, overall focus of crossing hedgerows is, is on ecological sustainability and having a safe place for people to gather. And so a lot of what we're talking about here is a lot of the the baseline infrastructure. So this can be a thing long-term, right?
5: Exactly. Yeah. So I, I got a little carried away with all the details there, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the idea is that we want to be able to have a place where people can connect with the land in whatever at whatever level um, is good for them. So some people want to learn a lot about this sort of thing and about growing food and about land management and ecosystems and that kind of thing. So you want to be able to provide that. But we also want to just have a place where people can come and connect with um, with a, a spiritual um, rituals or ceremonies and be able to bring their groups to, to do those things um, and have shrines around and walking trails um, and we'll have a campground next to the pond. So, you know, it, there, there's, there's going to be a lot of different ways that we can use the the land for the community.
0: Now I want to ask, I'm assuming that this has a lot to do with how people can support your efforts. So can you talk a little bit about your Patreon or other ways that people can help you and help you grow as a sanctuary and with your, with your vision?
5: Yeah. Um, we do have a Patreon and, um, funding is definitely important and helpful. Um, and right now, um, being able to have people with a variety of different skills. Um, So to be able to plug people in, in just all kinds of different ways. Um, And that can even be organizational kind of things, helping to organize events or, um, you know, just I don't know help me out Sarah. well the
4: the the focus is also for people to bring their particular skills to the table so one of the things that we have had in the past on the land was a yearly um, gathering with uh, Bunny and Lior with their workshop that they bring onto the land and so um, I've also done a workshop and so one of the th- the foci of crossing hedgerows is to provide a space so that we not only have places for people to gather, but so if people want to host workshops and eventually we'll have the infrastructure for weekend retreats and that kind of thing, because we really don't have anything that's like pagan owned. Like we, as a pagan community, one of the things that, you know, we have to do a lot is rent space from like Wayne County fairgrounds. If we want to host Michigan pagan fest and it's, it's not as ecologically friendly as we could be. And it's one of the things that um, our focus is on community building. And so in all the ways that community wants to express itself. So so that would be like uh, activities and programs like seasonal celebrations, community potlucks, music, storytelling, of course, workshops, crafts, and arts community gardening and gatherings for working with plant medicine and healing. So we're open to folks who are from the African diasporic traditions coming onto our land, native groups, as well as, of course, pagan groups. So what we want to be is a place for people to come to feel safe, to share their wisdom, really, whatever forms that takes.
3: It doesn't just stop there. Um, mm-hmm. We do have people who come out and volunteer um, you know, once a month or once a week, whatever fits into your schedule to help with the planting and the gardening, um, taking care of the sanctuary itself. Um, I mean, you get rewarded with wonderful walks through a huge forest and hanging out with lovely chickens and occasional bonfires. Um, but there's there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And so there are many, many different areas to where your skills and your abilities would be able to plug into Um, and also areas to where maybe you could learn some new things too. Um, It are the sanctuary is very young. Currently Um, we do have our eyes set on a lot of very big end game goals, but you know, all, all are welcome. And I know, Jean, you've been very adamant about this. Um, you know, not just spiritual people, you know, it's oh, the door is open to anybody who wants to have their eyes open to how permaculture works, mm-hmm. um, and how to grow and develop land to be more friendly to our pollinators. And um, I know your daughter is ex- extremely knowledgeable when it comes to all the various plants around everywhere and um she can even identify them when they're dried up and covered in snow I gotta tell you that blew me away when she came running I I don't even remember what it was but she was like yep this is what it looks like when it's dried up and I'm like wow that's that's impressive I am impressed holy crap um
5: yeah yeah I mean so I guess as far as specific things to be done, um, it's like you're saying. There's it's just such a wide variety, um, and what we can accomplish will depend on what people are able to help with. So you know we have some really big plans as far as um, planting edible gardens and. Perennials and food forest and hugo culture beds, which are like ultimate um, raised garden beds. Um, But that that's going to take a lot of hands-on kind of help, and so we we can do a lot, and we have the space, and we have um, we have everything we need. Um, It's just a matter of if that's what people want to do and. And want to help with that?
0: So I'm going to kind of be the tough guy here for a second. Mm-hmm. CrossingHedgerows.com is your website, Crossing Head, and you can donate there. There's also uh, Patreon.com forward slash Crossing Hedgerows Sanctuary. You can become a patron there. But the where I'm going to get a little tough on this because Sarah and, and, and Caitlin and Jean are all being really nice tonight. So I guess I'll be the bad guy. <laughs> Mid-Michigan, especially eastern, southeastern eastern Michigan, pagan community. You guys have been saying for years you wanted an outdoor space that was spiritual, where you could do events and workshops, where you could get connected with land. Let's, let's, this is, let's be frank. It's time to get off your asses and do it. It's time to show up and do the work to move the logs to plant the plant the fields. It's time to donate with your wallet. It's time to spread the word. I'm just going to be blatant about it. If you honestly want these things, you actually got to do something about them Here you go. off the high horse now. So sorry about that. <laughs> Oh, no, I appreciate the hell out of that.
3: <laughs> I, I do as well. Um, but, Jean, do you want to tell them about what the sanctuary is going to start doing here once a month um, so that way people can get come out and actually see the space?
5: Yeah, I think that's really, oh, yeah. you know, that's what I found is as soon as people actually see it, they get excited and they understand what it is that's, that we have here. Um. So... Uh, We're starting on the last Sunday of each month, a members walk and talk and bonfire. And uh, it starts tomorrow at two, but we're kind of keeping it small to begin with because of COVID. We don't want to have huge crowds. Um, So you do need to sign up ahead of time. Um, But basically we're just going to, take a walk around the sanctuary um and people can talk talk to each other and get to know each other because I think that also is really um going to be a huge thing um and then afterwards we'll have a bonfire to get warmed up um and I lost my train of thought but
0: <laughs> well, the you guys are having a, a cabin workshop later in the year right Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, And other events as the, as the, as COVID settles down and the weather gets nicer.
5: Yeah. Um, and again, like there's just, I have things that are exploding out of my head all the time of things we could do. So the other day I was thinking, oh, we could build a tree house for the kids and the kids could help build it. And, you know, it's, it's just, there's so much and it's so exciting, um, And and I really appreciate what you said, Jim, because it is, um, this is an opportunity for people to jump on. um, And now's the time if you want to do it. Um, But as far as the members walks, we do ask that you sign up on the Patreon to become a member, to be part of those walks. And this is the thing I was thinking before. Um, I do give tours, like a, just a one-time tour. If you've not been here before and you're not a member, you can arrange that with me. I'm happy to give a tour. Um, but to really get in on the members' walks where you can come with the rest of the, the members and get to know people. And, and then we would like you to sign up um, on the Patreon and, and we always take donations also, so.
4: This is also where the, the Patreon funding comes in because you mentioned the, uh, the cabin earlier. Um, you get access to things like workshops if you sign up for our $10 a month patron support. So not only are you financially supporting us, you're actually supporting the people we're bringing in to do other stuff that we don't have the capability or the equipment for. Hmm. So it's it's not just supporting the sanctuary. It's also allowing us to expand horizons.
5: Yeah.
4: I'm sorry, Caitlin. I didn't mean to, to jump on top of you. Uh,
3: I forgot what I was going to ask before, but um, what just popped into my head and maybe we covered this. I'm unsure. My brain is um, sort of like soup right now. Um, what... Can you pinpoint the moment where the inspiration hit that you wanted to follow this sort of uh, path, I guess? I mean, I know working with the land and wanting to develop it in a more uh, balanced way to the way Mother Nature works led you to a pagan path. But what led you to wanting to live um, a more balanced lifestyle with the earth?
5: I think I've always felt that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always been very interested in. So uh, I remember. Taking trips. I'm originally from Michigan and. Um, my grandma lived in West Virginia and we would. Usually drive down once a year to see her And. I remember seeing the paper mills and the smoke going up in the air and I would get really upset and be like, you know, that's pollution. And, um, and it, it just always, I've always felt a, a strong connection with the earth and protecting the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Brenna was born, um, she's always like everything that she's most interested in is, is insects and plants and growing things. And so just kind of helping her follow her interests, mm-hmm. got even more deeper into it. Um, and then I was also, um, I, I studied anthropology in college and I it, the cultural aspect of it also really resonated with me, um, that people in the past were a lot closer to the earth than we are now. And so finding that connection has also been a big part of it and I used to think that I wanted to study it and then I learned that I actually wanted to live it um if that makes any sense
3: (laughs) it it absolutely does yeah
5: so I don't know if I'm explaining that very well but
3: no I I think you explained it very well um and while you were talking I, I was kind of musing of the things that I have found in the last it hasn't even been a year since I've been um, volunteering at the sanctuary It's pretty close to a year um, I think but I I don't know I working at the greenhouse got me that initial like all right get your hands dirty figure out how plants work get really reconnected with the earth But then having that changing of gears and switching over to um, the sanctuary and volunteering there and being able to take the knowledge that I had gained from such a commercial um, setting when it came to working with the earth and working with plants and stuff like that to a much more um, steady paced method of working with the earth, a more um, rhythmic, I guess, uh, pace working with it. Um, there's been a lot of times that I, I don't know, I, I had like sudden realizations about myself. And I, I've got to tell you, I have healed more in the last year than I have in the eight or nine years that I've been walking a spiritual path. And that that's not to talk down to my past teachers or anything or the work that I was doing. Um, but I'm realizing having that sort of connection with the land is one of the things that supported me through that sort of healing. Um, and so that's why I'm so excited for this um, sanctuary to be a thing because I'm excited to, to, um, bring people in and get their hands in the dirt and actually see and witness how mother earth actually beats her drum in the world. I guess if that makes any sense, sorry for my rambling chaotic walk through that whole thing, but um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful change. Caitlin's mind's just wandering about. Oh, look, (laughs) (laughs) look shiny over here.
4: I think the land really lends itself to that, though, because not only have you folks done so much work with it, but you're actually letting it live as opposed to, well, you're going to do the thing I want you to do, compel or high water. Oh, and speaking of high water, you're not getting any anymore. I'm just going to drain the land. I mean, you're actually working with the natural features of the land. And well, I I shouldn't say you. I mean, we're all doing the work together as a community. Um, and I think that's actually what really strikes me as different from a lot of orgs where, you know, you don't have personal investment in it's, you know, if I hand 10 bucks to the Sierra club, I'm handing 10 bucks to somebody to go and do something. And I don't see the results. Whereas I'm actually coming to the sanctuary and I get to see the positive effect on the chickens or the, the earth or what have you. I mean, I've, I've helped, uh, with the, taking care of the chicken manure so much that I've actually been there long enough to turn it into dirt. And that was really cool to see from the, from simple chicken poop and hay or uh, straw rather into the finished product of, Oh, wow. We're planting, we're planting food in this. It's actual humus. It's living. It's not just something we're dropping down and hoping it grows. It's some of the most dynamic plant growth I think I've seen. (laughs) Because I think this last year we put in about 13 garden beds in the hoop house. And being able to be part of that process for me was, you know, it's taking it out of the upper head stuff and you're actually putting your hands on the earth and you're gaining Hand knowledge of what you're doing. I think that is a dynamic difference from folks who like go visit a farm for for a day. Is that folks who show up and do the work on the land are going to get a lived understanding, a lived wisdom from just doing the work.
0: That's a great point, and also I want to point out, you know, because you know, Washington and and ypsilanti and some of the uh and arbor ypsilanti and some of those other areas there you have a lot of people that are living in situations like apartment buildings or upper floor of a of a store or something like that so there's going to be a lot of people that are like i really want to connect to nature or the food cycle or the water cycle a little bit more but i'm in an apartment how do i do that here's your opportunity you go take a walk around if it resonates you sign up you volunteer a little bit spend some time out there with all the land spirits and and the stuff that you guys are doing in that regard and and there's your connection right there much better than any public park because you can get involved and see the food and eat some of the food i'm sure at some of the gatherings and that's just i don't know it's a really good way to get involved if you want to get into that cycle but you're kind of stuck in a in an urban environment
5: and to be honest, you know, there's, even though Saranth and Caitlin come out every week, Brenna and I are holding down the fort all the rest of the time. So, you know, there's a lot of work that goes on between each each week, each weekly meeting. Um, right now, we just have one day a week that, that we have a work day, but we can expand that. Um, Obviously, we also have to work around COVID, and and we're in the middle of winter at the moment. So, um, but but as we get going and as things settle down, um, we we really would love to expand that. And yeah, it is also definitely you know like you were saying, sharing the food, share sharing the abundance is also part of it because when you grow this way and, and you start planting perennials and they're just going to keep on producing. And so the land will just become more and more productive and abundant as we go along.
4: I have to say for me, that has taken some big adjustment is adjusting from annuals to perennials. Cause I'm so used to gardening with tomatoes that you, you know, you plant you might pick up the seed from this year, or you might just pick up the seed again from the same producer next year. I am so used to that process of annual production, whereas the perennials is a whole different ball of wax. Um, the uh, the oh Lord, now that I want to talk about it, the name of the plant is escaping me. It's a tuber, and we, uh, if you remember what they are, Gene, please go ahead. The sun chokes. Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harvesting those as opposed to, say, potatoes was a huge shift, especially because, you know, the potatoes, yeah, you, you can cut up a couple of the eyes and plant them again. But the sun chokes just come back. Like, if you let them, let them be, they go crazy. And that, for me, was a huge adjustment. Like, oh, you, you don't have to replant these? like just leave, leave whatever you're not going to eat, leave it in the ground. That's a huge it's difference.
5: Beautiful flowers.
4: They do. They do. They really do.
3: The The thing that amazes me is um, how lacking a lot of produce sections are in grocery stores versus what is actually available um, in your area. Um, like, uh, Sarenth was talking about with sunchokes. I mean, if you go to your local Kroger or Meyer, you're not going to find those in the produce section. I mean, you might find them at Whole Foods, but you know, who shops there anymore? But um, there's so many edible plants that are native to this area. And <clears throat> excuse me, I know a lot of, the work that you're trying to do there, Gene, is to try to keep the plants as um, native to this area as possible, so that we're not bringing in invasive species and taking over others, and trying to kind of tend that balance and kind of keep it um, in accordance to the land and the earth that's currently under our feet. Um, and I know some invasive species are not harmful; um, instead, are actually helpful to the 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 environment, but, um, that that's where I feel like Brenna comes in because she, like I said, she is a, an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to plants and bugs. And I just, I love following her around going, what is that? What is that? What is that? Ooh, what's this guy? I found this cool worm. What, what, what is he? (laughs) I think sometimes she just tolerates me, but
5: yeah, I think we complement each other. Well, she and I with our various knowledge and skills.
3: Um, I would agree with that. You guys work very well as a team.
4: So, I'm sorry, go ahead, brother. No, no, you're free. Okay. One of the things I wanted to hit on was some of the unique things that Crossing Hedras offers besides the workshops and the environment. Um, something that you were really excited about us putting out on the Patreon and letting folks know about is the U-tree. Uh, Can you talk a bit about that? Because you don't see these over here very much.
5: Yeah. um, So we have an actual English yew. Normally around here, you you have the Canadian yews, which are more of a shrub. And the English yew is an actual tree. Um, And it's sacred to many of the the pagan traditions. and we don't know how it got here. It was here when we moved here, but it's a big, beautiful tree. And, um, we've had requests from people who want to come specifically just to see the tree and do a ritual with the tree. Um, so we're happy to accommodate with that. And, um, the tree is actually not on the sanctuary part of the land. It's on our, it's in our backyard of, Um, near our house Uh, but we were happy to to share that also with people and the the tree seems to be okay with that also
3: (laughs) is that um where you planted all the the ivy
5: yes we we planted the english ivy under
3: it yeah i was trying to remember
5: I'd like
0: all three of you to talk about the kinds of spiritual work you guys have done on the land.
3: I'll go first. <laughs> um, Cause mine's probably the shortest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is something that I haven't really spoken of a lot on this show, um, but there was some uh, work that I had to do surrounding my Mesa. And uh, there, there's a park close by here. Um, that I, I I have a connection to, but it's, it's public. And so I can never guarantee that I'm going to have the privacy that I needed in order to do spiritual work. And so a lot of my spiritual work there would just be walking and saying prayers and discreetly leaving offerings as I'm going, you know, like Shawshank Redemption style as the dirt's falling out of his pants, walking around the yard. Um, And then when uh, Jean and Sarence absorbed me into the sanctuary, I, was having a day and I contacted Jean and said, is it okay if I come out um, and take a walk around the woods? Um, This is what I'm doing. You know, I let her know what I was going to do. And I, I took a walk. I found a wonderful, he's ancient. I mean, and he's huge, but this huge old Oak with this massive trunk um, and towards the, the back end of the wooded area of the property and I was able to sit there and I felt so shrouded and so welcomed by the spirits there. Um, and when I actually brought the spirits, a piece of pie as a thank you for allowing me to do that work. Um, homemade apple pie, actually hand hand-picked apples. <laughs> so it's like super special pie. And to have that warm, comforting hug in almost a uh, powder. Pal- helpable excitement from the spirits in the land of them being like, finally it's back. You know, people are doing work here. Like I know this, I recognize it. I understand it. And it, it was just, it was beautiful. And then there was another, um, little minor ceremony that I did. Um, uh, Jean and, um, uh, her children and her husband, Dan, were walking around and they found a a coyote skeleton, almost an entire skeleton. And I maybe spoke too quickly, but I have been looking for a coyote skeleton for a very long time. And when she mentioned it, I was like, would you mind if I collected it and took it home with me? And I think this was very early on in our relationship together. And, um, her and her husband went out with me and I did a little ceremony and, and left offerings. And um, immediately I felt the presence of the spirits. And I, I remember that day very well because it was actually storming out as we were walking through the woods and Jean was smart and actually brought a rain poncho. Whereas I'm just trucking through the woods and my backpack and my white hat like, all right, this is fine. Soaking wet, but it's, we're cool. We'll find this skull, I promise. Um, And then I I did just a small ceremony for him. And now whenever I go into those woods, I I beeline it exactly to where his skeleton had laid at one point. Um, And I always say a hello and a thank you. Um, But that's usually when I'm by myself. I don't drag everybody with me when I do that. But um, it's a very welcoming and peaceful place to do spirit work. And you can definitely tell that the work that Jean and her family has done with the land has taken and has been accepted um, beautifully. I, I mean, you could say that it's taken root well, but i Sorry. Go ahead, Saren. Um. <laughs>
4: Wow. Killed Serith in the process. Right. So um, one of the most... Wow. The thing is, is like picking one experience out of, out of the whole batch uh, is, is a bit hard, but here goes. Um, we hadn't really come together to know each other very well for very long, and we had just started talking about possibly doing this thing that was going to become Crossing Hedgerows. And at the time I had just gone through a really rough ordeal with my elder, uh, my former elder and asked to use the, the land for an overnight ceremony. And your family was kind enough to not only let me do that, but show me a safe place where I could do that, where I wouldn't be flooded out or too frozen and gave me space to where I could do this ceremony of cleansing and healing. And The creek was almost to the point of overflow, and the reason I remember this is because part of the the cleansing ceremony was I had to go take a dip in that icy water at the end of it. So I'd been tending this fire all night and had all this wonderful brush and wood and everything else, and i have been keeping this fire through the evening. The morning comes, the fire, I let the fire die, the embers... I turned over, made sure they were going to be okay, and it was like, "Okay, here we go. God's helped me." And I remember your face when I told you about this because you looked really puzzled, like, "Why?" I'm like, "Just, just go with it. I'm just going with it at this point. It's going to be freezing. You're going to be okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, going be, I'm going to be set. I actually might be more than than okay at this point." It took everything I had not to howl when I plunged into that water because it was just after the frost, if I remember correctly. This was like, I think, ah, oh, it was so icy. Um, I had to crawl out of the creek because the creek isn't small, mind you, when it's got water in it. It's about half to th- no actually if i'm thinking about it correctly it's up to my chest so taking a dip in that creek isn't a small feat especially when it's getting ready to overrun its banks there's a significant amount of water going through that thing when it floods so i <laughs> had to fully submerge and come out of there oh man it was it was a nice bath and i actually really loved it so i, I deeply appreciate being able to do that I had to haul myself out of that thing. I'm just happy that you don't have nosy neighbors because seeing my skinny white ass, well, not skinny but seeing me come out of that water would have been a, a trick cuz I'm sitting there steaming as I'm coming out of it going, "Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> There's a polar bear in the stream.
3: <laughs> hey, we have a cameo from Jingo." Hey Jingo. Hey, buddy. <laughs>
4: Django is a beautiful German shepherd who is very sweet and lovey and he just wants to lick your face
5: and lay on the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. He, he's a German shepherd, Malamute, and a little bit of wolf in him.
2: Oh, wow. That's right. Oh.
0: How about yourself, Jean? What kind of spiritual work have you been doing?
5: You know, I honestly consider everything I do on the land, spiritual it it it's always so meaningful to me working on the land and i feel like i give to the land and then the land gives back to me um i do uh i do of course give offerings and um i do my own private rituals. Um, I have my area that is kind of my Druid Grove that I go to, and I have done um, all all of the, the bardic rituals there so far. Um, if not in person, sometimes in my mind, <laughs> mm. um, if it's too inclement weather. But one of, one of the things that has really stuck with me as being very special was when we did the welcoming of the pond ceremony together as a group.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
5: That, that ritual just, it was very special to have all of us together who had been working towards creating the, the sanctuary from the beginning and then getting to the point of actually starting on the infrastructure that we really need to be able to, to do what our end plans are. And, um, it just, it's kind of hard to describe the feeling. It, It was a very peaceful and, uh, a feeling of, this is the right thing. This is, you know, we're we're on the right path. So I would say that that kind of sums it up.
0: That's pretty awesome.
5: Sounds yeah, really I, beautiful.
3: I I would agree with the uh, um, our, our Thursday work days. You know, they're they're not work to me. I, I find so much fulfillment and uh, pleasure from those days. Uh, and it's, it's very fulfilling to work, in, work with the land in such a different way. Um, so thank you for being the facilitator for that.
5: Very happy to be able to.
4: I think for me, um, one of the things that's been really cool has been able to be bringing my kids and watching them learn, watching them grow has been really cool too. Um, And while, you know, it's a marked difference to me between a reskilling festival who's oriented mostly towards young adults and adults versus that of um, the sanctuary where we're essentially operating as an extended community. And so, yeah, maybe Blue doesn't have a whole lot to do in terms of moving around dirt, but she can still be with us while we're doing the work of putting this together or planting that. Or well, she's, she's actually done her fair share of putting things in there. She's just uh, needs a little more direction.
3: Well, she she does a very good job in eating whatever plants you pick out of the bowl that you put them in. <laughs>
5: I will agree. That is her specialty.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. She's she very taster. Oh, excellent. And it, she doesn't just taste it once. She's got to taste it like two or three times. And then eventually you feel a little tug on your bowl and you see a little hand peek up and she's reaching because she's at the bottom of the bowl and can't reach the produce. That's mm.
0: funny.
5: A little but bit
3: I, is adorable.
5: I have to agree with you, Sarah, that that's been something that's been incredibly meaningful to me as well as to have the whole age range of from little one, you know, all the way up to the old ones like me. (laughs) Um, It's truly a community. And I think that, you know, that's, that's the bottom line really is, is that we're building a community.
0: Well, that's a good point for me. I want to re-interject them and say, make sure you guys are going to patreon.com forward slash crossing hedgerows sanctuary. You can also find them on Facebook at crossing hedgerows sanctuary. And of course, crossing hedgerows.com. So please check it out. Look at the photos. You'll see Sarath and lots of them, Sarath and his whole family and quite a few of the photos get involved. And like I said, even, even if it's just figuring some time to volunteer, it's contributing that 5 or $10 a month so you can attend some workshops if at the $10 level. Just get involved. Definitely get involved because this is a good resource for everybody. I said Ann Arbor and and uh, Ypsilanti, but you guys really are close to a lot of more urban centers where people might be looking to get involved in, in a way to teach your kids, you know, this is let's go out later this summer and get our hands in the soil and figure out where food comes from. Let's look at the water cycle. Let's talk about invasive species. Let's see this awesome yew tree that you're not going to be able to see anywhere else. And so I think people really should get involved.
4: Yeah, I agree. Something I also wanted to point out that just came to mind as you were talking about community and all Crossing Hedgerows isn't just independently operating. We're interdependent with the various nonprofits and farms around the area. We're actually uh, one of the the folks that works with Gene regularly is Dawn Farms. Um, and so even in our, our inter-organizational workings, we're not operating independently. The ethos of the group is to operate as a community space. So um, if, if, things come around and folks want to learn about permaculture. I mean, dear gods, this is a resource folks. If, if you have wanted to learn, if you have wanted to put your hands in the dirt and actually make something you're gonna, you just got to show up and do the work. And if you can't, that's fine. There is plenty around the place to do. It's not just farm work. It's, you know, the thing about chs is that we need support in all kinds of ways you know so we're consistently looking for folks whether they want to do online work offline work you know if you just want to have the place available so you can walk around the property and just take the place in that's also fine you know that's what the Patreon's there for come and enjoy the space
0: and i think could be speaking out of turn here but If you're someone that's not in the southeastern Michigan area, but you're trying to accomplish something similar elsewhere in Michigan, Midwest, anywhere in the world where you're into permaculture, you want to see how another group or an organization is doing. Just follow the pages. Open up a dialogue because it's going to be better for the entire world and all the spirits thereof if there's a lot more of this communication going on about how we can do things as a permaculture, as we can do it sustainably moving forward. So I think the more groups and sanctuaries that can network with each other, the better.
3: Yeah. I think a, a big part of this is sharing our knowledges and sharing what we know with one another. So even if you're not within range of us, um, driving, um, uh, say you're in Colorado or if you're in Hong Kong and you know how to do these things and you want to, you know, link up with other people that know how to do these things and share what you know, I'm sure um, we would all be very grateful to connect and communicate in those ways. So the, I, for me, that's a very good suggestion.
5: And if I might add um, before um, starting Crossing Hydro Sanctuary, I spent a lot of time really getting immersed into the perm- permaculture community in the area. So um, I have a lot of people that I know and um, am able to cross-pollinate with, so to speak. Um, and I've reached out to to several people already um, about teaching classes and workshops and different things. And, and people are definitely interested in, Excited to do that, so we have a lot of a lot of expertise around and, and people excited to get involved with it.
0: I know I'll be in touch with you guys later on this summer because I need a place to do some fire ceremonies. So, excellent. Oh, that's cool. We love that.
4: So, moving this into you know um, this it's. I, I could rave about crossing hedgerows all night, <laughs> but um, if, if folks want to get a hold of the sanctuary, is the website the best place for them to go?
5: The best thing is if you have a question or something to email crossing hedgerows sanctuary at gmail.com.
4: Awesome. And the website is crossing folks so check it out our mission statement how to donate stay in touch the calendar of events all of that's on there all of that's available to the public so check us out seriously come check the website out check out what we're doing
0: well gene so much thank you so much for joining us tonight and thank you so much for uh sharing your knowledge on this and and being such a partner to uh, Sarenth and Caitlin and such an inviting and warming person to have involved in our community. I feel like the community, not only the permaculture community, but the pagan, the greater pagan and spiritual community, the local land spirits, all of them benefit from the work that you're doing. And I, I really can't thank you enough for all that you're
5: doing. Well, it's very much my pleasure. And I thank you so much for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Fantastic. Um, Sarah, Caitlin, how are you guys feeling, real quick? And Gene, and obviously, you would be welcome to stick around too. Do you guys want to touch on real quick? Um, we had a question in come up in our chat this week about how to enter trance states. Would you guys want to touch on that real quick? Oh, yes, sure. Do you mind? Okay. Yeah. And and like I said, Gene, you're welcome to stick around and participate if you want to, but I know we've taken up like an hour and a half of your time, so if you need to go, that's fine as well. Um, the question that we had in the chat room on our Discord was, um, you want, the question was, how to enter trance-like meditative states, how to get there, and how to hold it. Um and we were wondering that this is someone that has used the grounding video that I did in the past. And, but, and that is helpful, but wants more information on how to get there on their own. So curious,
3: uh, Caitlin um, and, and,
0: and Sarah how you guys would feel about this question
3: and where you would go. For me, trance work depends on, I guess my goal, um, but what am I looking to do, um, and that will determine the the steps that I take in order to get into trance work. This is um this is oddly a very difficult question for me to answer because I go into trances very easily. Um, any sort of repetitive sound, if I just focus on it for but a moment, I can go into a trance state. If I move in a very repetitive motion i can go into a trance state my my difficulty lied in staying out of trances in the very (laughs) early stages of my my spiritual practice um but what i have found with that in mind was repetition and learning how to teach myself what uh what the, uh, the catch was, um, and what my callback was, I guess. Um, and so I worked with a very specific mantra, um, in order to get myself into a trance like state at first. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was very adamant about, okay, you know, I'm going to do it once a week at this time, the same time, every single week. Um, I wouldn't do it every day because I know, um, how that can be detrimental to the soul and the spirit, but uh, I made a rhythm for it. Um, And there were some days that I struggled and there were some days that I didn't want to do it, but I still honored myself and my practice by showing up to it and having that repetition, having that moment of, okay, this is what we're doing. Um, And people that I've talked to that have admitted to having difficulty with being in trance states they say they have a difficulty in separating their mind from their spirit you know like their monkey mind is just back here chattering and talking and talking and talking um and what i have learned is that through repet you know your your body and your being your soul your spirit everything about you really learns very well from repetition Um, You get into a sort of rhythm, you know, like when you were a little kid, you knew right at seven o'clock, you're going upstairs and you're brushing your teeth and you're not (laughs) arguing, you're brushing your teeth. (laughs) And then for some reason, now that you're an adult, you're still brushing your teeth at seven o'clock at night and you have no idea why. Well, it's because you learned all those years ago, you brush your teeth at seven o'clock at night before you go to bed. Now, of course, routines can change um that's just a small example but for me that's the easiest way that i can tell somebody who is struggling to go into trance states and do not feel guilty for having to use a medium in order to get there you know don't think that you have to be able to sit in a very quiet room and just immediately drop into trance states even for um very practiced uh, uh people they have some mode of transportation to get them there, whether it's a drum beat or a certain rocking of the head, or if it's um, movement of the feet, you know, you we talk about dancers that go into trance-like states.
0: I, I was going to say, I'm going to bounce off that a little, because I think for me, the key to this question is identifying what is a trance. Because oh. I think people are under this misconception of what a trance is or is not. And I think there are far more trances and trance-like states that a human being can get into than we realize. So, for example, if you're using a biofeedback machine and you can watch your blood pressure, or your heart rate, or your brain waves, you can go into a trance. If you do things repetitively, as you were saying, if I'm repetitively dancing or, or move, doing some sort of movement like Banging on a drum. There's a reason why drums and rattles are used. You can go into a tramp, but trance, but poetry, writing poetry is a trance. The kinds of songs and prayers that Sarith does when the show opens, that's a trance. Mm-hmm. Artwork is a trance. Anybody ever sat down and you just start doodling or you're carving on something, or you're knitting and you lose all track mm-hmm. of time? That's because that was a trance.
3: Yeah, the last two weeks that the story has been pouring out of me has been trance-like states.
0: So people get this misconception about what a trance is, and I think a lot of people think it's that blank mind thing, and it's not. So once you've identified all these different trances that you might actually be going in and out of all the time, either for longer periods or briefer periods during your day, then it becomes a lot easier to get a handle on how do I put myself into a trance state?
5: Mm -hmm.
0: if I might
3: like a long drive a long Mm -hmm. drive ends up becoming a trance that happened to me all the time yep it's an interesting way to put it so
4: I think that we need to actually separate meditation from trance they are different things
3: very different things something
4: that we've talked about on the show a lot is that meditation is observing your thoughts if you're in trance it's more like your thoughts are having you (laughs) 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 like when i when i did the song earlier i wasn't thinking i was just Mm -hmm. whatever came pouring out of me was whatever came pouring out of me whether it's scanned in my brain or not was what i was being given to sing um and i know at least for the start of it i could hear a shanty kind of beat in my head and then it was just like okay now go Mm. um but that Trance state is not for observing your thoughts, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Mm-hmm. It is for experiencing something or for it's it has a yeah. trance has a purpose. Meditation, yeah. meditation's purpose is observing your thoughts and possibly quieting down the monkey mind or going into no mind if you're doing zazen meditation or what have you. We, we need to be really careful about putting the two together because the objectives are almost opposite.
0: Right. Sure. Well put. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, I can't, I, mean, I can't do them together is what I'm trying to get at because.
3: Right. No, it's, it's impossible because yeah. it, thinking about what you're saying um, I would say contemplation almost would go in the place of meditation. Like how people kind of couple those two together, get rid of meditation and put contemplation in its place. Because contemplation is you have a thought or an idea that you want to expand on and consider and think about. And you are letting your mind go into this trance like methodology of uncovering what this idiom or theology or philosophy or idea or teaching or whatever might mean to you. You're basically going into the back recesses of your mind and pulling forward all that learned wisdom through your life and contemplating that thought or idea. Boom, blog post done.
0: (laughs) It's not to say that, that a trance can't be gotten into by sitting quietly. No, it can't. Like the grounding exercise. That is, I would consider it more of a trance than a, than a meditation, but um, there's a reason why historically Trances were done with rattles, with drums, with repetitive motions, with dance, with chants, with mantras, repetition, not only in repeating the exercise until you get good at it, but just having something that repeats often is very useful for getting into trance. You can also go into a trance with a medicine walk, Mm -hmm. set out that objective to, I need to find something that has some sort of significance to me. And then just letting your feet carry you where they might go, or you can do the same thing floating in the river or something like that. There's Mm -hmm. different kinds of trances than just trance. Well, I also want
4: to decouple. I want to decouple trance from contemplation and meditation. Trance is its own thing. It might use similar techniques, I can use drumming with meditation. I can also use it for
0: trance. Uh, See, I, can, I can't use drumming for meditation. I, can't, I start drumming. There's no meditation involved. I can't do it.
4: It depends on what kind of meditation we're talking about. Like if I'm contemplating something as I'm walking through a forest and I've got a drum beat in the back track. If I'm if I stay in the pilot seat, that's a different. That's different. It's harder because my natural inclination is to go off into trance state. But for those who are are looking for something to kind of take the monkey mind and go, all right, cool, chill out. Here's something to entertain yourself with. Um, That can be a a really effective tool. But the tool and the purpose are two different things. Mm -hmm. Like the tool of getting into a trance state versus what I'm my objective is for meditation versus trance are two different things. I'm not trying to contemplate anything when I'm in a trance state. I'm not not actually – in a lot of cases for me, trance is – uh, getting out of my own way and letting the gods, ancestors, or spirits have their say, That's fair. That's
2: it's,
4: fair. it's putting as much of Sarinth in the backseat as possible and letting as much uh, of the gods or ancestors or spirits come out of my right. mouth
0: as possible. Yeah, I I think Emily's got a a point on it when she's saying in the chat room that uh, meditation might be used as a gateway to trance, but it's not necessarily the same thing. That I can agree with because meditation, you got to quiet. If you quiet that monkey mind down, then taking that different step to go into trance can become a lot easier. This is why we do
4: cleansing and grounding and centering before ritual,
0: right? Right.
4: Because that's a pattern of organization. Your brain goes, oh, this is ordered space. (laughs)
3: I I also have to say that contemplation and meditation are also different. We have to decouple those. Yeah. Right. Um, But like I said at the very beginning, what is your purpose for going into trance identifying Mm -hmm. that modality of, well, I would like to commune with my ancestors, my Vythir, my God's spirits, whatever. That's one particular trance. Oh, I'm trying to do, say, their work. That's another type of trance. I'm trying to commune and uh, connect with Mother Nature. That's another type of trance. You know, like what, mm-hmm. if you pinpoint right. the purpose of the trance, the more success you're going to get out of it.
4: And trances don't have to be a full body experience. Um Correct. Something I've done at Crossing Hedgerows, kind of bring, <laughs> bringing things back. Um, Sometimes a simple trance state for me is just to take re- three really deep breaths. Sometimes it's building symbolism on top of itself, because if you've got like sacred numbers, an idea of, well, you know, this tree has blah, many limbs, and that's how long I'm going to breathe if I'm trying to connect with this tree. Um, you know, for me, three, six, and nine are sacred numbers. Any, anything that's divisible by threes is a sacred number. Um, so I will breathe counts of three or six or nine and work to connect with, say, a tree in that way. Um, that's one of the things I did with the U tree. And what it, it didn't take me very deep into trance, like trances can be very deep and where you're subsuming yourself into something, or it can be very light where you're communicating and there's active communication going on. So... Um, like Emily said, identifying your purpose before going in trance is really helpful because all you're doing is just dipping into a state. The state could be taking you somewhere. Whereas, you know, it's, it's like handing the steering wheel over to somebody else and not driving
0: anymore. Well, it's like handing the
3: steering wheel over to a two-year-old and saying, here, drive me (laughs) to the grocery store.
0: I I also want to throw in there too, because part of the question was how do you keep in those trances? And so that's a matter of practice, but Mm -hmm. on a practical Mm -hmm. level, if you find that one or two times you get into a pretty good trance and you're doing a certain thing or wearing a certain thing. That's where ritual items, that's where they come from. Guess what Mm -hmm. folks? If I, Ooh, I got a trance really well when I was holding this antler last time, I want to go into trance again. Maybe I'm going to hold that antler again and see what happens Mm -hmm. or hand gestures or clothing, a shawl, a hat, something like that. These are, these can all be really useful tools for, Cueing your mind into the fact that this is what I'm going for.
4: Like and legit, that, that- the t-shirts that I wear are actually a trigger for that for me. Like, Oh, I'm going to go do something sacred. I'm going to put on a different kind of t-shirt. So if it's yeah. got some sort of Norse symbolism on it, or if it's like, this has Ravens and a uh, Veg visir on it, something like that, I will switch my shirt out. And that's a trigger for me because I have certain clothes. I wear to work. I have certain clothes I wear in the house. And then I have certain clothes for when I do Ritual work. So yeah, that even that small bit can just... A trigger word, a hand gesture can go a long way. It really Mm -hmm. can. Sorry, Caitlin, I didn't mean to jump on you.
3: Well, I was just going to point it all back to repetition and say Mm -hmm. having those things, um, it keys the mind into a certain... State And you're you're triggering that state of mind to be more readily available for you. Um, And that's why ritual items are so important to have. They're not necessary, but they're useful tools to help you um, move along the track in the direction that you want to go. And if you're trying to
0: discover this stuff, you're just going to have to experiment because everybody's going to work a little bit differently, too. So, like, you know, obviously for a lot of people, drums work well. Um, but maybe you're a person that needs a rattle. Maybe, strange enough, you're the person that trance comes on with a guitar or a penny whistle. Maybe that dancing doesn't work for you, but swaying your head does. Or maybe swaying your head doesn't, but spinning in circles until you're dizzy and falling down on the ground works really well. You're going to probably have to experiment with it a little bit as well.
3: Yeah, and and have fun with it. You know, mm-hmm. find find that thing if you know don't listen to gladys greentree online that says you have to use this drum beat to get into trance work because that's that works for her it doesn't work right for you. they're never
0: they're never ideal for me i tell you one that the bit of music that throws me in the trance the fastest is the first little opening bit of uh of one of the rolling stone songs Mm. Be shelter yeah. where the music starts to build slowly and instruments keep getting added that first minute, boom, trance state
3: every time for me. The entire album of 10,000 Days by Tool throws me into trance state just like that. I, yeah. There's something about the the rhythmic the way I, I don't know what it is it's just fucking weird yeah.
4: So I think that, that keeping yourself in a trance state is a really interesting question because sometimes you really don't want to stay there um i can't be an effective diviner if i'm constantly in the trance state part of that is balancing out uh is the trance state a prep stage to go getting information or is the trance state the medium through which the information comes and this is this is about figuring out your trance state what works for you the trigger everything we've talked about all of this factors in and that's Mm -hmm. that's an experiment process because you got to figure out if the trance states the medium or if it's what preps you to get the message.
0: It definitely does not have to be hours long. And that no. hours long one can work against you sometimes too. So if I'm going back to artwork, an example where you get in that trance state because you're carving on this staff and all of a sudden you've lost five hours and you haven't eaten and your blood sugars crashing and you missed work, then, then it's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you have to, Um, I'm kind of curious since we invited her to go ahead and stay with us real quick. And and Jean, you probably have a little bit less experience than the three of us with this sort of thing. Do you have any uh, additional input or questions? Because I think you'd have a little bit different perspective than the three of us.
5: I don't really have anything to add at this point. I appreciate your, um, you're asking.
0: Coming from a fresh perspective, though, do you have is what we're saying clear? Is it making sense to you? Yeah, an outsider hearing this for the first time is is what we're saying kind of making sense.
5: It does, and I think for me, um, drumming would be probably the best entrance for trance state. Um, I haven't really tried to do that, Um, but I think I I think I have just naturally in, in, in kind of a drum circle situation. Um, mostly I've, uh, done more with meditation as a, you know, as part of my spiritual practice.
4: Something I wanted to point out since we're talking about different, different approaches to, to meditation and trance is that, um, you don't always have to have a very serious reason for wanting to engage in trance. It is totally okay to just be like, I want to check out for a while and just enjoy a drum track. I mean, plenty of people are engaging in different kinds of sensory deprivation right now, especially with COVID. Some I, uh, I'm following a dude on Facebook right now who intentionally turns all the lights off and kicks a, a literal album on a 45 LP and he'll, just listen to the entire album and play it that way. Um, so you can, you can use trance states for fun and enjoyment. It doesn't always have to be uh, to a very serious purpose. It can be, I just want to bliss out to this album for a while.
0: So what you're saying is even the, even the, you're recommending having an intent when you try to get into a tent, a trance, but the intent doesn't have to be almighty serious.
4: It can be <sighs> just kind of, I mean, you're talking to the guy who has a stick up his ass most of the time about this
3: stuff. <laughs> it's not that big of a stick. Come on it's
4: now. Of course, one. shit. It's a fucking spear. Anyway. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I, I'm joking, but I'm also kind of, I'm kind of being serious at the same time. Like, it can be some serious fun to just bliss out to an album, or to just be like, <sighs> you know, relaxation can be a wonderful trance state.
3: Now, hang on a second. I, I want this moment to be marked in AGF history
1: because
3: <laughs> I I think we've switched roles, Sarence, because Ooh. normally I'm the one that's like, hey, go find the fun and relax a little, and it doesn't always have to be serious. You yeah, know, this, is, this
0: is a about it. temporary thing. Don't worry about it. No, I'm <laughs> I, I back think, to be serious. I now. think there's room for both in the same mission because, like, oh, for absolutely. example, if I were to get into a trance state because I want to go commune with Uh, the spirit of of lake michigan Mm -hmm. my intent could be just to see i haven't visited in a while it's going to do us both good who knows what will happen that's probably good enough of an intent without it being super all fired serious it's Mm -hmm. it's nice to just kind of like check in and do things once in a while you know yeah i i think it depends on what the trance states for who is for and what you're doing yeah
2: like, yeah. honestly, and like, like I
0: said, if we're, if we're getting in different types of trance too, then, mm-hmm. then it's not all about journey work. So, you know, I keep exactly. coming back to the art thing, but if you decide you want to try to get into a trance state, because you're going to make a kind of intuitive ingredient soup. I don't know what veggies are going to end up in this thing, but we're going to do it this way. That that's valid. It's an artistic sort of trance, but it's a trance nonetheless. So.
4: It's worth pointing out that Othar, which is part of the root of Odin's name, is inspiration and frenzy. And inspiration can take as many forms as there
0: are people. Mm -hmm. You know exactly, exactly. Yeah, what's up, Gene?
5: I think you mentioned earlier that meditation can be an entrance into trance state. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, if I'm deep into a meditation. I think I go into a trance state where it's kind of hard to come back.
0: Right. And I I just want
5: to clarify if that's what, if that's kind of what you mean by that.
4: It can be. Um, There are times where it's hard to get myself out of a trance state because I'm so deep in it that I have to have some kind of like, especially if it's a drum circle, unless the drum circle ends, sometimes it's hard to come out of that state because you're surrounded by a wall of noise. Um.
3: I guess it would for me, um, in or in order to be able to answer that question, I would I would have to know what that deepness felt like because you could have just been very deep into meditation. Because uh, the whole point and purpose of meditation is to turn inward instead of focus more outward, whereas trance work is focusing more outward than it is focusing inward, um, kind of thing. So it would it would kind of have to do with um what you experienced during the meditation. If it was anything that was woogety or otherworldly, then I would say yes, it was probably trance. But if it was a deep um, feeling of peace and of really connecting with your true self, then that would be more towards meditation. That's probably a good way of defining it.
5: But it's been both ways for me. Um, sometimes where it's just a really deep feeling of peace. And sometimes where I feel like I'm um, communing with otherworldly, you know. Yep. That's, <laughs> a, that's a great way yep. of
0: illustrating the difference then. That's a great yep. way of yep. illustrating the difference.
3: Yeah. So I would say sometimes you are in a very deep meditation and sometimes you wandered off into a trance state.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which
4: it happens. It yeah, definitely it definitely happen.
3: Yeah. I
0: mean, actually, you know, that's part of the learning process is figuring out the difference between the two.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and you know especially you know uh if you're just learning the process or you've got some other thing like aphantasia or something like that this is all going to be an experimental game for you you're going to have to figure it on your own everybody all the teachers and guides and stuff they're just they're mentors i can show you roughly what's going to happen. And I can mm-hmm. talk to you about what you've experienced and try to see if I make it align with my experience. And then we can say, yes, this is a thing that happened, but. Right. I and when do you're it for
3: you, when you're struggling, I can be a common sense filter and ask you really dumb questions to help you figure out the answer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, which one of, sounds really dumb, but works really well. Yeah, it does It
4: well, one of the things I think that, especially depending on the kind of trance you're doing, you're going to want to preview the places you're going to walk. So, like, I do like a lot of walking meditation or a lot or walking trance work when we're walking through the woods with um, my kids and we're doing it as like a sanctuary. So, when I go to crossing hedgerows and we're actually walking around, sometimes I'm in a, a sort of a light trance to just listen to what the spirits have to say. And something that can wrench me really hard out of a trance is having my name spoken. So that might actually be a good trigger word for you to have for yourself uh, is to know something just rips you out of trance state to have that as kind of a back in, in the back of your pocket kind of thing for your own safety and well-being. But before you go doing a walking meditation, I heavily recommend you just literally walk the places you're going to walk so you know where you're going yeah, and do it a couple of times if you can. You know, uh, it's, it's one thing if you're going to a public park and there's clearly marked you know, pathways. It's another situation. If you're going into a place that's say heavily forested and there's no clear paths, you probably don't want to be in heavy
0: trance walking around in a place you've never been. You should probably at least be aware if it's hunting season or not.
3: Well, you know, look, I have been in a public space in a trance walking around and ended up in the middle of the fucking woods. So I mean, (laughs) be careful how you tread, but I, I have a, a very good sense of direction and can find my way out. Not everybody is like that. So please (laughs) at least take a compass or your phone or both. Um, But one way of uh, getting yourself out of trance um, is to set an alarm, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, or even meditation. It's highly recommended to set an alarm for yourself because there could come a time where you get, so good at it that you end up sitting there for like Jim mentioned earlier, five hours and suddenly your hand is on fire and you're hungry and your sugar's crashing and you miss work, you know? So set yourself a reminder or a timer that you listen to beforehand that you tell your mind, Hey, this is my callback. Yeah. We need to come home once we hear the sound.
0: Well, I think we, hit that question pretty well. So I, I don't know about you guys. I can see Sareth is yawning a little bit. I know he's had a long day and so I think we should probably go ahead and wrap up for tonight. If that sounds all right.
3: Yeah. Thank you for coming on with us, Jean. It was wonderful to actually see you this week cause we didn't have a meeting on Thursday, but I, I really enjoyed um, your time that you spent with us here and I enjoy every ounce of time that I get to spend at the
5: sanctuary. Well, I feel the same likewise, and it's been a lot of fun tonight. And it's been fun to have Jim on the conversation because <laughs> usually it's the, it's the three of us at at the sanctuary. So I'm really enjoying being in conversation with Jim, too.
0: It's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate having you on. So thank you for Very spending much. some time with us. Thank you uh, for submitting the question vixen on our patreon page uh and and thank you to all of our listeners and patreon supporters we appreciate you so much everything that you do for us and Sarah, caitlin and i will see you next time around the fire have a good night folks
3: bye